I lost all that weight. I got pregnant. I gained all of it back. And I lost that feeling of victory. But what also happened in those years is I started to feel disqualified. Wow. That's huge. People come up to me and say, you inspired me and I lost a hundred pounds and I'm living my best life. And I would think to myself, you loser, how can you inspire them? And you can't even inspire yourself. And I really entered a season of feeling just not qualified. And, and like my testimony was just invalid. Listening to the Reframing Ministries podcast, providing strength for today and hope for tomorrow for caregivers and their families. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Well, welcome again to a Reframing Ministries podcast. I'm so honored to have you with us. Today, we are going to talk about the power of words and about our identity and how we work through with some childhood wounds or things that have hurt us, which often begin to define us. And my guest today is one of the three in the trio, Sela, the group Sela, which is so wonderful. You guys have been around for 25 years, Amy Perry. Um, 11 Gospel Music Association Dove Awards, seven inspirational albums, which I probably have all of them, two gold certified albums, eight number one singles, 750 million streams. That's incredible. And over 4 million albums sold. Amy Perry, thank you so, so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It would be so easy to go through that list or hearing it said, you know, millions of this and millions of that and think, oh, Amy, you have no problems. Life must be so simple. Um, I think there's a little different story. So let's start there. Absolutely. Um, Do you want me to start or? Yep. Okay. It's all about you. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, um, first of all, I kind of, I sometimes feel disconnected from those stats because I haven't been in the group for the full 25 years. And so um, the gold record, I'm not on it. You know, um, it was before my time, it was Nicole, Todd's sister. And so I've been with Sayla since 2005, which I can't even still believe has been like 17 years. That just, it's so long. It's so long. It's a, that's a large <laughs> portion of your life. And that it is a large portion. Feel of like that. that. It really feels like it's flown by. Um, and so sometimes when people read off all those numbers, because sometimes they'll do it when they introduce us right before we walk out on stage, and we're like, yeah. ah, "Why are they saying all of that? Just say welcome, yes. Salem. Welcome to our job." Um, yeah. I do feel a little bit um, disconnected from from some of those numbers, and so um, I'm. I get to sometimes talk about Sayla like I'm not in them. And that actually, I get to brag on the boys and I, and I don't feel like I'm bragging on myself when I do that. I love it that you aren't connected to the numbers yeah. because they're, they don't define you. And that's one of the things that we're going to really highlight today. They don't. And um, I think sometimes too, the boys forget about them. I call them mm-hmm. my, my boys, the boys. Mm-hmm. And so 
sometimes I try to remind them like the numbers are, I mean, the, the accolades, that's okay. You know, like it feels good to get a pat on, on the back sometimes, but I think too, as far as like CCM is concerned, we've been just outside of it mm. long enough. Like mm -hmm. Christian Rita doesn't play us anymore. Um, and, and when they did, it was just select songs. And I think it allowed us early on the boys, especially, but me, once I joined to really disconnect from trying to earn those accolades and just say, you know what, whether radio plays us or not, whether, um, you know, we try to win an award or not, let's just make music that it encourages. And so I think it's helped us to not, it, to not try to achieve any sort of man made, um, you know, accolade and to just make music that helps people. Well, and there was so much pain in your past, which you opened up about 11 years ago, that when you work through a lot of that pain and know who you are, then you're not defined by your numbers or your job position or your parenting and how your kids turned out. And so often we look at that outside piece and forget, no, God's at work at the foundation always. That's always yeah. where we go. So let's talk about 11 years ago when you stood up and talked about your story of struggling with weight and being bullied as a, um, in elementary school and things that you went through. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I lost a whole bunch of weight before I got pregnant. And that is when I was sharing that testimony of like victory and, um, I'm finally, you know, experiencing freedom and, and then I got pregnant and I ate everything. everything. <laughs> yes. And I had been really kind of almost starving myself to lose weight, to have a healthy pregnancy, which seems so insane. When you say that out loud, I was starving myself to be healthy. No, I wasn't trying to be healthy. I was just trying to like get skinny. Mm. And so in gaining a lot of that weight back, um, mm. I began to experience strongholds again and yeah. learn a valuable lesson. Number one in, um, just because you experience freedom in something doesn't mean you can just act like nothing ever came before. And like, it's perfect. Now there's a constant work that needs to be done. Some people, they lose weight and they just keep it off forever easily. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, for myself, I will always be contending for yes. my physical health always. Um, whether it's just from childhood traumas and teenage issues and, you know, neuro pathways I've created into poor habits, or, um, I think for me, it's been a spiritual stronghold as well. And so it's just something I'm always going to have to work at. I'm not even at a goal weight right now that I would say I'm proud of, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the scale, like, yeah, I've lost a lot of weight recently. Um, the scale still isn't where I want it to be. Last year was a rough year of a journey into foster care that I did not expect to take a toll on my physical health journey. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so to say, yes, I experienced freedom. I did for sure. I also reached back for those chains over yes. and over, over yes. the last 11 years. Yes. Yes. And now stand in a new place of freedom where the freedom that I'm experiencing isn't so much tied to the number on the scale, yeah, but it's tied to um, a decision that I've made with the Lord to constantly seek his face in relation to 
my health journey and to know that whatever the scale says or whatever the size of dress I had to wear at my nephew's wedding last week that I really wanted to be smaller, but it wasn't, um, that, you know, my self-esteem and who I am and who he's created me to be, isn't tied to those numbers because they're just numbers. Um, but that I have laid it down at his feet and I'm, I'm constantly, having to self-assess and go, okay, where did this week go? Where did that week go? Um, you know, and, and there's just different, I think everything's an ebb and a flow and anyone who has started any kind of journey, whether it's to, um, lose weight or to, you know, dig deeper in the word or to be closer to the Lord or to have a better marriage, it very rarely goes like this. Right? Oh, I so <laughs> wish it did. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And maybe someday we'll get there. Right. In heaven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, I, I have, there's old videos where I'm watching back going, <gasps> I was so skinny and I was talking about victory and, um, you know, that didn't happen for the straight 11 years. Right. It, it right. went back and forth. And I think a second thing that happened, I lost all that weight. I got pregnant. I gained all of it back and I lost that feeling of victory. But what also happened in those years is I started to feel disqualified. Wow. That's huge. People come up to me and say, you inspired me and I lost a hundred pounds and I'm living my best life. And I would think to myself, you loser, you, how can you inspire them? And you can't even inspire yourself. And I really entered a season of feeling just not qualified. And, and like my testimony was just invalid. And, um, talk not about even the like, shame that feels yeah, that is so is. laden with shame. It is. And I didn't, it wasn't like, I felt like a hypocrite. I just felt like pathetic, honestly. Mm. And, and so then I went through seasons of, um, we'll forget what I'm going to, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I can't seem to be able to lose a pound or, you know, do whatever. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And those, those are very unhealthy seasons because, um, that binge mentality would come back. Um, I would never sit and eat a whole pizza again. Like I did when I was in my early twenties and I would, mm -hmm. you know, binge, but I would eat more than enough cupcakes to be considered a binge. Um, I've coined a phrase in my own life called Gray's binging. If you've ever done that, you don't, yes. I mean, like someone who has an actual, like, um, eat, you know, eating, well, I, I do have an eating disorder and I did not know that, but, um, like the ones that are well known, like, um, my gosh, my brain just stopped working anorexia or bulimia, um, thousands of calories all at once. Right. And then eliminating them. And I have friends who, who I've who struggle with that struggle with that. Mine was more, if the day started bad, mm -hmm. then I would just eat this terrible thing and that terrible thing and that terrible thing. And I kind of just felt full all day. Yeah. Um, I could never release it, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you counted, I probably ate three or 4,000 calories that day in just right. fast food and treats. And so, um, to also come to the place of realizing I, there is an eating disorder that I tick all the boxes for, yeah. and I'd never heard of it before. Um, that was kind of the, the real, I guess, catalyst in 2021 was realizing like, I'm not pathetic. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just broken. And I know the mender of broken things. And while I believed it for other people, 
and I would say it for them. I didn't always believe it for myself that he could fix that issue in me. That was just, I loved food. Well, I didn't just love food. I had an emotional connection to food that was unhealthy. And, um, you know, now realizing like, I've never been diagnosed by a doctor, but if you research binge eating disorder, I did all the things I hid food. I secret ate. I would eat on the way to things or on the way from things because God forbid I should eat anything other than a salad at someone's house so that they don't think, Oh, look at Amy eating all that stuff. And then I would leave and eat more things because I couldn't eat in front of people, you know? So just lots of of issues with that. So you had a huge war with your inner dialogue all the time, the inner talk. And in our community with caregivers and those who are struggling through grievous seasons, the inner talk is so much. It's just a tug of war. Some days are great. And then as you just said, you want it to be a one and done. Oh, I had victory and we're going to move forward and ta-da, cheerio, let's go on. And yet then there's a regression or there's um, the depression comes back mm-hmm. and that can feel so defeating. So how did you start identifying your self-talk and coming from that place of defeat to stepping out? I will say um, one, just falling on my face before the Lord and understanding that there was going to have to be a daily self-assessment here, a daily, um, laying it down and, and, you know, not picking it back up. And then also my health program that I, that I started using in 2021 is a program that I had quit like five other times. Um, because I'll tell you any, any diet is going to work if you do the steps, right? Eat this, eat that, and you lose weight. Um, it's the mental game and the emotional game that really keep you keeping any amount of weight off. And for so long, I just wanted to like get skinny. Why can't I be skinny? My sister's skinny. Why can't I be? And, um, it just, that doesn't work. I had to make the decision to admit that I had a problem, right? Confess it. Um, and then ask for help. And that was knowing more than just asking for help from God. And knowing like, I can't do this on my own. Mm. I need accountability. I need people to hold me up in prayer, but also give me practical understanding of how to eat healthy. I mean, I've done enough diets. I could tell you all the nutrition things, but to actually put it into practice for myself. And so um, my health program does that. They have a, a gigantic textbook and it's called a life book. And it's a journal that you walk through where you self assess, you know, how did I get here? was my mentality with eating. It goes over emotional things. And so I kind of call it my health Bible and you put that in connection with your real Bible. That's so great. You work it out daily. And that means texting my health coach and saying, um, the green room's full of donut holes. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember, I mean, it was like two or three weeks into this, this last journey where I, and, and having a conversation with her where I, I would, I had to tell her, Hey, those other times that I was on this program with you, um, I would plan airport cheating 
Like I would literally be like, when I get to the airport, no one's going to be there. And I know that there's a Fenton's ice cream in the airport um, or there's a whatever pizza. And so, I mean, again, the gray's binging, right? And so that secretive mentality of, of anything in secret can't be good, right? If you can't right. do it out in the light. And so of confessing that to her of, you know, this is the way my mind works. This is the way the enemy works against me. So when I'm on my way to the airport and you know, I'm traveling. You need to know that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about the food I can sneak there. And I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but it is, it's a disorder. It is an addiction. Mm -hmm. And so to have her texting me, Hey, I know you're going out of town this weekend. I'm praying for you. Oh, wow. Let me know if how I can support you and to be able to text her a picture of literally a thousand donut holes. And the lady's like, we make them fresh every Sunday. These are all the leftovers. Eat what you want. And I'm looking at all the donut holes, like, oh my gosh. And to text that. Can to you her. just leave the room for a minute? Because I'll be right back. <laughs> but to know that she, and she said, you got this, you got this girl. I believe wow. in you. And that's just enough, right? In that moment, it's enough to go, okay, I'm going to eat the thing I brought and not those donut holes. Um, that's, that's incredible because that's exactly um, what I talk so much about with people is the power of words. Mm-hmm. And what we say, not only to ourselves, but the fact that she said that to you was enough empowerment for you to eat what you brought. But yeah. years ago, that boy who spoke words that were so hard, yeah. that, that put you down another trajectory. How mm-hmm. can we become people that speak life into others? Honestly, we have to be able to speak it to ourselves. And I, it's been a journey and it still is a journey to, to, to get the word fat out of my vocabulary or lazy or pathetic or whatever. And I'll tell you, I, I started coaching this program right away because they tell you coaches keep it off. Right. Um, but that the coaches have to dig in deeper. We have Mm -hmm. to dig in deeper into those books. And I went to a coaching retreat and I'm not a fan of like meeting 30 strangers and spending a whole weekend with strangers. That's mm-hmm. hard for me. I seem like I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually not in a lot of ways. Right. I get and it. So I went and, um, was that anxious in and of itself? Like, does oh, that, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then your default mechanism would easily be, let me just have something to eat and I will right. feel better or safer. But it's, a, but it's all coaches, right? I so know. So coaches. now what are you going to do? <laughs> and I get there and my friend who's known me, we were 13 doing musical theater together. She's, we actually were the same character in Annie, get your gun. We were both Annie Oakley. <laughs> and, um, she, you know, she was teaching one of the sessions on self-talk. Mm. And even though I thought I had gotten much better at it during her talk realized, I'm still saying these things in, in different ways about myself. And what she had said that was really powerful to me was that she grew up, she's one of seven kids, uh, six kids. And she grew up with very tall and lean sisters and she was not as lean as them, which I look at her and I'm like, she's skinny as a rail, but even compared to her sisters, she was not. Um, and they used to call her like Husky Husky. Mm -hmm. So she thought that meant she had to have more girth. And so she said, even as an adult realizing, well, I'm just supposed to be husky. Mm. I'm not as thin as them, that there was a a decision she had made for herself in Mm. those words, her whole life to own them (laughs) and to have them inside of her. Yes. Yeah. And 
I remember in that moment sitting there thinking, um, I've always said things like, I'm heavy, but I'm pretty. Um, right now for people, oh, you'd be so beautiful if you could lose weight. And oh my so I equated my beauty with my size. And so I had finally gotten to a place where I was like, well, I'm just big and beautiful, but even still declaring that I'm supposed to be big, that I'm mm-hmm. going to be big. Um, instead of just saying I'm beautiful the way God made me. And those are two very different statements. And she even likened it to saying like to someone who quit smoking, um, if someone offers you a cigarette, you say, oh, I have to, I had to quit smoking versus I'm not a smoker. Those are two very different statements. And so as I'm on this health journey, instead of saying like, I'm trying to lose weight or that is still a negative feeling and it's Mm -hmm. still, I have to, or I don't get to, or Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm trying versus this is who I am. And so she, the whole little lesson was about becoming, we're always becoming something. Mm. And if we are constantly using negative words to describe what we're becoming, there's still a negative feeling in there. And that energy it's, it really does shape the way that we talk about ourselves, the way that we view ourselves and the way that we treat others. And so for me to say, I might not be where I'm at, where I want to be on the scale right now, but I am becoming someone who just mm-hmm. lives a healthy life and becoming a mom who doesn't yell at her kids. <laughs> Trying really hard on that one. Let's take one thing at a time. <laughs> I grew up with a yeller. You know, I'm, I'm becoming someone who just values their health. And I can say that right now I'm the healthiest that I've been in 20 mm. years. Wow. And it doesn't matter whatever the scale or the pants say, right? I am that. I am the healthiest I've been mentally, you know, physically, um, our foster journey took me emotionally somewhere where it's been a journey of getting back to an emotional, healthy place. But again, having, being tied to a program that helps encompass all of those things. Um, it's just, it's a journey and it's, it's been a little bit like this recently. So, well, I think they all are. And that's really the reframing process because when we hit the wall and something is ruined in our lives for you, it would have been, I had to admit I have an addiction. And then the, as God is renovating our lives or as he's, as we are becoming Part of that, a critical piece is inviting others in because we do have to learn how to speak differently. Interesting, your word declare. What have you learned about using declarations and speaking them? Um, I think, you know, just they're important, declaring the right things versus not so great things. Um, I've also noticed it with my son, you know, um, he has a very negative monologue about himself. And I'm like, where did he get that? I've never said anything but wonderful things about him to him, but he's learned from hearing mommy declare things like I suck at losing weight. That's a declaration. And that is something that he has now grabbed onto. Right. And, and so even though I'm trying to teach him, he learned by watching, he learned by observing. And so, um, just even, you know, finding different ways to, to, to say anything about myself and using the word as my guide. Um, it's, it matters, man. And everybody's listening, you know, people are listening and they hear, um, and who I am on stage 
is different sometimes, right? She wants to declare beautiful things over people and she wants people to think she has it all together. And, um, and, and it's, it, it can be two different, there can be two different Amy's sometimes. And I have mm. to really be careful to make sure that, um, who I am on stage is who I am at home. And I would never stand on stage and say terrible things about myself. So mm. why am I going to do it in the mirror? And I would never say terrible things about other people. I would never look at an overweight woman and say, she's disgusting. Mm. But I say it about myself. Mm. You know, we, we are so hard on ourselves so often, so much harder than we would be on other people. Like I'm a coach now. I would never tell a woman I'm coaching who calls and says, I fell apart this week and I ate two pieces of birthday cake or, you know, mm. I would never chastise her and make her feel bad about that. And yet if I do that, I, I would constantly. And so I will say these last probably 18 months of this health journey, learning to, to talk to myself, like I would talk to the women that I'm coaching who are struggling and going through things. And I give them such grace mm. and to know that, that I'm allowed to give myself that grace. So and many, Yes. And so many in the, in the community of dis disabilities or people who are in the transformation process, we all are, but sometimes it's a really thick, muddy, miry yuck. Um, how do you come alongside someone? Like you just said, I would never say to the other person mm -hmm. what I say to myself what are things that we can replace our words with? Because our, oftentimes our kids are looked at as weird or, well, if they parented better, that wouldn't happen. Or, you know, if you just got up and got out of bed and made your bed, you wouldn't be depressed anymore. You know, th those are not helpful things to say. Yeah. Yes. So how, what, give us an idea of what can we say that motivates, that is grace-filled? I um, start by actually modeling my coach the way she talks to me. Mm -hmm. How can I support you? How? Because oftentimes just reaching out is all they need. Um, there are, I have a, a friend who has an eating disorder um, and has ruptured her esophagus and almost died. Oh. And her therapist said, you are killing yourself. You are committing suicide slowly. And when she said those words to me, I was like, how do I even, I don't even know. She's a Christian. Mm -hmm. She loves the Lord. How do, I don't even know. How do I even help her? And so um, oftentimes, or, you know, I have another friend who is a foster parent and she's again in the adoption process of another child. And it's this struggle between, you know, she's Caucasian and they're Native American and there's just all of this. And I, I don't know often what to say or how to help her when she's, and she's, she'll tell me I'm negative Nancy. And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't say that. I, I, I want to know. I asked, yeah. I want to know what's going on with you. And oftentimes it's an intense text back of like, Ooh, I have no idea what to say right now, Lord. And yeah. all I can say is I love you and I'm praying for you. Yeah. Please let me know how more specifically I can support you or pray for you. And sometimes that's literally all I have. Um, I have some co you know, clients that I coach that are just like me. 
they want to eat all the things and be skinny. And so, um, it's a little easier to, you know, to, to just tell them the things that I, I know help me in that is like, it's okay mm-hmm. to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's a journey. It's not perfection. It's just making progress. Try to choose something better now, right now. Cause for me, oftentimes health wise, um, I, and I think too, we do this with just sin nature is we mess up once in a day and we think I'll throw the day away. Right. 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 Well, I already did X, Y, Z. I might as well finish and start over fresh tomorrow. Mm. And something that this program actually coaches is start fresh right now when you recognize in the mistake. Hmm. And I think spiritually I connect with that when I do mess up and need to ask for forgiveness. Yes. To do it right this second. The minute my conscience is pricked, the minute I feel, Ooh, I think I've been really ugly in the, you know, to this person or in this scenario. And I feel like gross and I need forgiveness right now Mm. to know that there is forgiveness in that moment. And the next step is clean. So Mm. keep moving forward in, in asking God to, you know, show you where you messed up. And it's the same in my health. Visit us at reframingministries.com for all of Colleen's interviews, articles, recommended resources, and more. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and receive our free five-day video devotional series where Colleen provides pointers for navigating daily life and struggles. Yeah, I think it's the same because of I have ADD. So oftentimes 10 o'clock in the morning, if I've gotten a couple things that have been frustrating, I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to have a bad day. Yeah. And I, and I, the emotional dysregulation, which is a brain issue, how I'm connecting my brain and my thoughts. I've learned so much about, we are body, soul, mind, spirit. We cannot separate that. This last year, my son has struggled with his health uh, severely and down to the very cell of our bodies, our words make a difference. What talk to those who are in that dark place? Because when you said I had to admit I had an eating disorder, you were speaking very deeply. Your voice changed and there were tears that had to be so hard to come to that and admit that. But people right now are listening or watching. That's where they are. What was that like for you? It was, it was a lot of tears. It was, um, I was talking to someone who was describing her daughter's eating disorder. And the more she talked, the more I was connecting, like, that's me. That's me. She could literally be describing my entire life. And so it's that it's like a swirling in your mind of could, could I have like an actual eating disorder? Could, could this be something that that I didn't know. And that's why it's been so hard for me all these years. And so I, I went back to my, it was at an event we were singing at and was a woman was speaking. And I, I came back to my hotel room and I opened my computer to research this, you know, cause I finally said, do you mind telling me what your daughter's eating disorder is called? Um, and it was, it's binge eating disorder. And I went to, to look it up and had gotten an email from the weight loss surgery clinic that I had been applying to, because I was at the point where I was like, I guess I'll just have to have surgery. Like all these other people I know, 
even though half of them I know have had success and half of them have had failure on this, you know, I don't know what else to do. And they had said, your, your insurance doesn't, we, you got your message back from your insurance and it doesn't cover any of it. You would be out of pocket for all this much money. And I was like, I can't afford that. No, yeah. Hello. <laughs> and I started to cry. And then I started to research, you know, Google, like kind of the symptoms or the uh, attributes of binge eating disorder. And there was just a broken moment of just crying, literally sitting at the table crying, reading these words, but also a little hint of encouragement in that I'm just, I'm not an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a failure mm-hmm. and I'm not pathetic. I'm, I'm broken. And also realizing as I've been coaching people, we all, anyone who struggles with I'm, health or weight, I would say, you know, weight, there's a little bit of something there. Otherwise you would be fit and thin. There's something, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's a food addiction, whether there's a trauma early in life that, and I did, I had a physical trauma that I had to walk back to with an intercessory prayer person. Yes. Beautiful. To at five years old, I broke my jaw and I had my jaws wired shut for months and was eating baby food and instant breakfast. That's all I could have. So physically that did something to my metabolism. It did something to my mentality regarding food. And I can vividly remember my first meal getting those off. I was not even six. My mommy took me to my favorite cheeseburger place. Oh my goodness. I had cheeseburger and French fries because I could finally chew. And then I, that night, same night, my brother had a baseball game and they had a pizza party. And I can tell you to this day, my trigger foods are pizza and cheeseburgers. My go-to comfort foods are pizza and cheeseburgers. When I feel sad, I crave pizza and cheeseburgers. So like there's totally a science in it, but recognizing that and saying, okay, I'm having a sad day. I'm having a rough day. Um, let's do turkey burgers with no bun and let's make it a healthy dinner. I'm still indulging a little in that, but I'm recognizing where those emotions are coming from. So there's self-awareness and then adaptation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it is a dark feeling too, when you indulge after, you know, after you've seen the light, after you've had the aha moment and, you know, I had a a friend pass away suddenly last March. I mean, like sudden, suddenly. And that same day, um, our foster child had a triggered emotional event and was physically violent against me. And I, the, the tears, the, the depth of just an intense, like spiral of emotion was nothing I was prepared for. And I had to go pick up groceries and literally went inside to use the bathroom because I'd ordered them. So I was like, I ordered healthy foods, but I went inside to use the bathroom and it's right by the bakery. Of course. That and I'm saying. looking at those cakes. Like I could eat a whole cake and no one would know it. And all those thoughts, right? The enemy's like, you could eat a whole cake and no one would know it. And I was like, you know what though? I'm going to get something small. And, and I got cupcakes. There was like six of them in the shape of a cake and the whole way home. I'm like, I could eat all of this before I get home. My husband would never know it. Mm. And I think the old Amy would have, 
But then the newer Amy was like, you know what? You can enjoy one of those and feel your feelings and lick all that frosting off and still indulge a little bit what you feel like is a comfort food, but also know that it's not going to satisfy this hurt. Yeah. And I got home and I told my husband, I didn't eat any of them on the way home. And that's a victory, <laughs> but also, you know, and, and I think that maybe my coach would have been like, well, I would have not bought the cupcakes. Well, good. I did. I was at the bottom <laughs> of a spiral and I didn't eat all six of them. And that's really exactly. important for me to celebrate that. And then to also have, you know, messaged her the next day and texted and said, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And, and the next day there was a numbness that came that I have never experienced before. Mm. I couldn't cry. I couldn't smile. I mean, I literally was completely devoid of feelings mm. and that comes with kind of compassion, fatigue syndrome, foster parents sometimes experience. Or oh yeah. Child with special needs, right? You, you, you oh just... yes. Because my son has so many. And yeah. so the exhaustion, and that's why, that's one of the things that we really struggle with as parents is how our kids perform or how they're healing can get tied to our identity if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the addiction or it's not, it's not about the kid. It's about something deeper. And that's that little piece. That's the shame or yeah. whatever is surfacing. What did surface as you started recognizing this and then making changes? Uh, definitely the need to um, like, like put food in my, I mean, just the physical act of putting something in my mouth when I'm experiencing an intense feeling. It's, I, I just, it's shocking. Yeah. And so in those moments where if it's not time for me to eat or right, I eat on a schedule mm -hmm. um, and I'm having all the feelings and, and I, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to indulge this time. Right. I'm not going to go to the store and buy a cupcake because I want to feel good. Um, I'm going to chew some gum and I'm going to yeah. go pray or, you know, just, just again, adapting, like recognizing this is the behavior that comes attached to this sad feeling. And if I want to change like the neuro pathway, I have to do something different and, and to, to pray in the moment, you know, mm -hmm. to, um, to just stop and say, okay, God, I'm like all these feelings, I'm overwhelmed and mm. to spend more time in my prayer closet. Like I have a closet this this big enough first time in my life to actually have a chair in it, Yeah, like sit in that chair. And I do, sometimes I just sit in the chair in the dark because I'm like this, I need I need to do something else right now because if I go in the pantry, something bad will happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I will sit in this room in the dark and let the Lord um, bring the things up because we can't pretend like they're not there. Right. We can't pretend. It's like trying to keep the beach ball not. under the water. You can't keep sitting on it. It's going to come up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to have moments where um, I talk about old Amy, you know, old Amy and um, old Amy on, you know, June 3rd of 2021, couldn't believe she could lose a pound or change the spiral. And my coach believed enough for me, thank God that she inspired me. Um, and, and as I've struggled to keep losing weight and cause I, it's kind of been a stall with all the stress of fostering and whatnot, it's been a stall. Um, but to recognize 
that's okay. Um, but I kept saying for a while, like, I want old Amy back. <laughs> old mm. Amy didn't cheat at all on her diet. And old Amy <laughs> lost 70 pounds really fast. Mm-hmm. That old Amy. And I had a moment one day where I was spiraling in that self-talk. Like, I just want to be back. What's wrong with me? Old Amy had no faith that mm. she could be healthy. Mm. Old Amy couldn't believe in herself. Old Amy um, spoke terrible things over herself. So I don't want to go back to old Amy, the the new Amy that God is just growing every day, the, that she's becoming, she just needs to dig a little deeper and be patient that, that God's doing the work. Um, she needs to grab her accountability again, the people around her who helped her the, you know, in 2021, um, but she doesn't need to go back to old Amy because old Amy was really super broken and new Amy is being mended. Yeah. Not there yet. Right. We haven't achieved perfection. Um, but I'm, I'm in the process of being mended and around every corner as every, um, little crack becomes filled with the Lord or a new thought process or a scripture or a worship song, whatever God's using to fill those cracks. Um, she's better Mm. off than she was. And so for people who are in really dark place, um, you can read self-help help books and listen to podcasts, but it really is just Jesus. That's going to fill those parts. And, for the longest time, I was like, he don't care about what I weigh <laughs> and he doesn't. And that's why I can feel healthy emotionally yeah. at the weight I'm at right now, which is not my goal because he doesn't care about that number. Right. He cares about what's going on in my heart as yeah. I'm walking through this process. And he cares about the way that I talk to myself and about myself and the way that I talk to others. I mean, that's, right. that's what he cares about. And so that's, where the healing is coming for me. Well, and I, as we come to an end, I I keep having this thought that I need to ask this question. What part of spiritual warfare played into this? Because it truly is, it's not a one and done. Like, yay, I've I've lost the weight and I'm all better. But did you really battle on a deep level spiritually? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and there are strongholds that I'm still like realizing are strongholds. And just when I thought I'm victorious, I am really, truly the healthiest I've ever been. And I'm, I'm going to 2022 is going to be the year I lose it all. And then we started fostering and there was a whole new world of that's a whole nother. Oh, that's a whole, yes. Uncovering trauma in my past trauma in my mother's past that, that literally decided how we were going to be with each other and watching God use this broken little boy to heal us in so many other ways. Um, it has been a constant battle spiritual battle, warfare in the word, in my prayer closet, in worship moments, um, to even, you know, function some days. And so, uh, yeah, I just always try to tell people like, if, if I'm, if, if you're not on your knees, God will allow things in your life to put you on your knees. Yeah. You're going to be there sooner. Is one of them, but parenting foster kid, for sure. I never, I thought I knew my parents to foster care for 20 years. I know everything. And then we got our little boy and it's been, a journey and oh my gosh 
but it is, it's a hundred percent spiritual warfare. I will tell you, um, for sure. I definitely, definitely want to come back to this conversation. Um, because that is where so many of us live and we don't even realize it. The spiritual warfare that goes on, and especially as parents of, of people with disabilities, um, it is a constant battle. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough. And well, second guessing of my parenting skills. Right. And again, here's that self-talk of I'm a terrible mom. No, I'm a mom who's doing the best she can. And I am reaching out for help to people who can help me. And, um, we did, we had to cry out for help because we were like, we can't keep this kid. If it goes on like this, he's abusing us. You know what I mean? He's 50 pounds and he's hurting me. How is this possible? Yeah. And it's possible, but, um, yeah. So that's a whole nother day we can talk about, about yeah. the parenting side of, of that. But well, and it's so humbling. Like you said, Oh, I know how to parent. I'm a great parent. And then you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you find out when you have the one that's a little bit different. Oh, maybe I'm not so great. <laughs> right. Well, I just so appreciate your honesty about the fact that life is a journey and that you are in process. And I know some would love to know probably the program that you're going through or connect with the coaching that you do. How can they find you? Yeah. So um, I coach a program called Optavia. And um, we don't just throw the word out there because people will go to the website and they they don't get the coach. They just, they buy the food and they think, oh, and then they don't know what to do with it. And so we right. always, always, always encourage if yeah. you, you got to connect with a person first, please yeah. don't just order the food. Um, and so people can Facebook message me privately, or I, I go on Sayla's Facebook messenger, like maybe once a month or twice a month. Okay. Um, but it really teaches not just the food parts easy, it's quick and easy so that you don't focus on it. And you just focus on growing and, and becoming healthy by your mind, your, you know, your heart, your emotions, all of that. And so we really do focus on, um, on encompassing the whole transformation. And that yeah, is what, that's what it is in that program that you're transforming the way you think, the way you talk, the way you believe mm -hmm. about food and yourself so that you can be healthy. Do you check your media pages or because oftentimes I'm not a part of mine, I just don't have time. Um, but I just want to make sure people can connect with you. Yeah. My private, my personal Facebook, I check daily okay. uh, messenger, um, Instagram. I forget it exists. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, I got like 20 <laughs> Instagram messages. Um, and then Sayla's Facebook messenger. Uh -huh. Um, we check that the three of us, we kind of take, you know, turns. And so I probably check it the most. So yeah, for sure. After this, especially just message me that way. Um, and then if you're interested in the health program, I've got a little health form I can send you. And then we do a phone call and I talk to you and I let you tell me about yourself. And then, you know, if, if the program is right for you, great. If not, I've made so many friends on this journey that they're like, well, your health program is not for me, but I really enjoy talking to you. And that's new for me too, is to just make friendships and relationships, but God's really used it to build a community of women that, um, and it's, I have ages like my age and then their sixties that yeah. I coach or that I talk to weekly or monthly that have just become like the closest friends. And when we started our foster journey, amazingly, God was like, now I'm going to use them to support you. And one of my clients is a special education kindergarten teacher. Amazing. And one of them is a, um, emotional, she does like counseling, you know, the child special development, child therapy counseling. And like, God used them to help me. And so I just know that, um, 
it's not by accident at yeah. all that I'm where I am right now, that he's using the people that I'm coaching to, to love on me and help me. And he's using me to help them. And um, yeah, it's all just been amazing. Well, that is just so cool because as the Lord does, like I speak about in reframing, as we go through that process um, and work through the parts that are so broken and the Lord binds and pulls together and we depend on him, then he puts a passion in our heart in a direction that we would have never chosen before, which is, sounds exactly like what you've been through. And it's an entirely new community. Who would have guessed when you have all this history with Sela and now you're doing another life-changing work, which is so meaningful and so valuable. Amy, thank you for, for your time today and thank you for your vulnerability and just for being so real. Enjoyed today's podcast? We'd love to hear how you've been encouraged in our website comments and our podcast reviews. If Reframing Ministries has been helpful in your life walk, we'd be honored to have you partner with us in prayer and in financial support. We operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. Would you consider giving just $10 a month to help caregivers and their families receive resources full of help, hope, and healing? You can partner with us at reframingministries.com give. We hope you'll join us again for future discussions with Colleen and World Influencers. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.